The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fantasy NBA Today. This, of course, is a hoop ball presentation, and I am your host, Dan Bespris. This, I'm promising you guys, will be a slightly shorter episode. Yesterday was super long. We had a lot of stuff to go over, particularly from those Sunday results. We are fortunate that Monday's 8-gamer didn't have that many uh, game-changing fantasy notes on it. In fact, we had a number of blowouts. The Pacers got beaten to hell, the Grizz, the Warriors, uh, the Spurs actually beat up the Pistons, although they did come back after that game was largely decided. And it was just a couple of early games. I mean, Milwaukee kind of beat up on Washington, but you didn't get traditional blowout minutes in those ones. So uh, we really only have like five Monday games to review. And in those games, we didn't have the teams we were really laser focused on. Like Indy was one of them, and we got some info on the Pacers out of that ball game. We'll, we'll break that one down a little bit. Memphis was another one we were watching closely. Dallas. So... Don't worry, we'll put our head down and we'll power our way through, uh, but I think this is going to be, I think this will be a quick one. I think this will be, I have, I have high hopes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Welcome to anyone joining us here for the first time. Let's dive right on in. Milwaukee beat Washington in a rematch game. I, I really wanted to bet the Bucks, but I didn't have the stones to do it. They came out. And they put up a big number in this one. Giannis suddenly making his free throws. I don't know what's going on there, but I'm not going to argue with it because uh, th- this is the kind of stuff, and, and I, admittedly, he's still at 68% overall in the season on, on high volume, but this is how he moves up the leaderboard. This is how Giannis gets back to being a first-rounder. We'll see if it sticks. Brooke Lopez has been surging lately. I mean, absolutely powerhousing his way up the board. He's now up to number 93. After about three good games, he's moved from the top 105, top 110 range, uh, jumped about a round in value as his blocks are trending up here lately. Again, I don't know how sustainable this is, but perhaps he's starting to find a little bit of that groove and and maybe the short layoff actually hurt him quite a bit this offseason. I don't know for sure. His recent strong play has kind of rendered Bobby Portis I'm going to say completely irrelevant because he was still okay in some of these recent ballgames, but really not very good. He needs those blowouts. He needs games where Brooke Lopez can't hang, and that hasn't been happening as much lately. Washington side, Bradley Beal, big ball game. Rui had another good one, and, you know, it deserves to be streamed at this point. I still maintain he's not really a category league guy. The three-pointers, the assists, that type of stuff is not in line with his normal fantasy stat set, but you ride it while it's working. And Russell Westbrook had a pretty big ball game here, too. Davis Bertans played uh, 24-ish minutes. He had three three-pointers. He's still, I think it just maybe isn't coming around this year. I know I suggested a buy low about a month ago where you probably could have gotten him for like a top 130, top 120 kind of guy. So probably didn't lose much in the way of profit margin there. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, you know... 
I guess you you just bench him and hope that something changes, but it's probably not gonna. The guy that I was watching on this Washington side, Denny Avdia, played 31 minutes at 11-6-2. He has the more well-rounded fantasy game of all the kind of peripheral wizards. And for Washington, I know that they lost a couple here to the Bucks, but they're going to keep fighting because of these play-in tournaments. And I don't, you know, I, I realize there Bradley Beal would get traded if the price was right. I just don't know what team, maybe the Heat, have enough to go get Beal. It'd be smart. They should if Miami wants a chance to win a title. They need one other guy besides Jimmy Butler and then, you know, Bam, who's very good, but I don't think Bam's a superstar. He's not gonna, he can't carry a team the way that a Beal or a Butler could. So no real valuation changes here other than, you know, Bobby Portis kind of arrow trending down, Rui's slight arrow trending up. Sacramento Charlotte did have a note because Marvin Bagley fractured his hand, which is a pisser, not because I suggested having Marvin Bagley on your teams. In fact, we've been largely avoiding him all season long until the All-Star break when I put out a, here's a guy you could probably squat on for two weeks. He's playing, so he's giving you something if you're in unlimited games format. And in all likelihood, guys like Nemanja Bjelica and Hassan Whiteside, and maybe Rashawn Holmes, and maybe Harrison Barnes, and maybe Buddy Heald, basically the entire Sacramento Kings team is on the trade block. And we've heard that Bjelica's likely to get traded, Whiteside likely to get bought out. There were all of these front court minutes that were about to sort of pop loose for likely Marvin Bagley, because they don't really have any other backups on that team. Jabari Parker is kind of the backup power forward behind uh, Bielitsa, uh, and Jabari Parker hasn't played all year. Yes, I know he played two minutes yesterday. That's sort of not the point that I was getting at here. So Bagley is out probably for, uh, I mean, I would assume maybe the rest of the regular season. Maybe he gets back with a couple weeks left, but I don't know what the point is at that juncture. Does this change the calculus for Sacramento at the trade deadline now that they would be so shorthanded you almost need to just have a power forward on your team you know you're dropping Marvin Bagley that's sort of a, a non that's that's no question type of thing he only had value in points leagues and even that was sort of tenuous given his uh, other limitations but he was he was doing enough recently to be a points league guy he hasn't been a category league guy all season long I thought maybe he could overwhelm his percentages, or bad free throw in particular, with a ton of volume. So that's all gone now. What's left? Well, uh, the Kings are not going to slow down, so more shots for Darren Fox, more shots for Buddy Heald, Holmes, Barnes, the remaining characters in this cavalry of weirdos. Yesterday... Tyrese Halliburton started the second half. Bielitsa played 17 minutes in the ball game, so his number actually didn't change that much, even though Marvin Bagley missed the entire second half. He broke his hand just before halftime. Bielitsa is your speculative ad here if you have dead weight to cut, but there are a lot of interesting guys bouncing around, so I wouldn't suggest dumping someone who has perhaps a, a more interesting ceiling, like, I say, Moses Brown, because Bielitsa could also get traded in a week, and whatever you were hoping to get out of him would dissipate. He's a top 75 type of fantasy guy when he's playing starters minutes. I just don't know that there's a guarantee that's going to happen. Still, that's interesting upside, even if there's only like a 20% chance it happens and doesn't get traded, or maybe even lower than that, and they don't have any other real options. 
The other option is play Hassan Whiteside and Rashawn Holmes together when Whiteside is back from health and safety protocols. I don't know how you could possibly exist with that kind of lineup. Harrison Barnes sliding up to play power forward seems the most likely scenario right now. He could start at power forward. They could slot in Halliburton, who's a, a, a bigger guard. Darren Fox is not tall, but quick. Buddy Heald could play small forward if they had to. So they have a way around this without having to play Nemanja. There's, there's a path around this thing. So I don't know that he's a must-add guy. Uh, I did pick him up in one or two spots where, you know, I had somebody completely useless that I could just cast off into the ocean, someone that I, you know, a streamer or, uh, you know, somebody who I, I picked up with a hope that something might happen and then clearly it wasn't. That was... Actually, this game was probably the most interesting fantasy note of the night. Not to tell you guys not to listen to the rest of the podcast, because I have other things to say, and they will be of maybe some small relevance to you. Charlotte's side, the Hornets are finally mostly healthy. Devontae Graham got up to 21 minutes now. That number is slowly on the rise as the knee stuff gets put behind him. And in this one, it actually kind of came his increased minutes partially at the expense of LaMelo Ball. Kind of an interesting little twist. They they played some of their other guys. The bench played well, so minutes got spread around a little bit differently for the Hornets in this one, but Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, those guys are all locked in, as is P.J. Washington. I know his numbers were a little lower here. I'm not worried there. Uh, Cody Zeller, really more of a streamer-level guy at this point. Malik Monk, no longer relevant, and you know we haven't been interested in Miles Bridges all season long, so that's not going to change. Devontae Graham is the, the player of note, because as his minutes trend up, he could actually get somewhat close to to category league value. He's not there yet, but probably worth holding on to just in case. The Knicks lost at the Nets. They had a furious comeback. Again, the Knicks lately have been getting stuff from sort of weird lineups. And I I mean, I think that a lot of this is illustrating how much the Knicks need Peyton and Rose. Not that they haven't been somewhat successful without them, but there's just... There's a certain measure of playmaking lacking. They had just 16 assists in the entire ballgame. The Nets had 29 as a point of comparison. So New York doing a lot of isolation stuff, not moving the basketball well, and it hurts. And everybody's like, well, what happened to Nerland's Noel? Well, he kind of needs to play with a point guard, and right now the Knicks have none. I know Emmanuel quickly is the starting point guard, but he's a shooter. He had two assists. 19 shots, two assists in yesterday's ballgame. You can blame whatever you want on guys missing shots, but that's not really how it's supposed to work for your starting point guard. That's why they need Peyton. That's why they need Rose, guys that can get other dudes open. So I have a few thoughts on this ballgame. Number one, Reggie Bullock probably had his best game all year and probably best game he'll have for a couple of seasons, frankly. R.J. Barrett's been playing a little bit better, but really exists more in a uh, more points-leaguey sort of vacuum. Julius Randle's been awesome. What about the more fringe names? Well, Quickly is a solid stream. More points league than anything because of the limitations there. Not many defensive stats, bad field goal percent. Usually he makes his free throws, so you can probably throw that little blip out. But the field goal percent is going to hurt you. And Nerlens Noel, who played 20 minutes to Taj Gibson's 23 for really the second time in three games. Gibson and his unit have outplayed Noel 
with the you know, beginning of the first, beginning of third starters type stuff. But I really do believe strongly that a lot of that is the lack of point guard. Noel gets his stuff off of tip slams, off of pick and roll type stuff. That's not going to happen when Julius Randle is running every possession because Noel's got to get out of the way. He can't go to the rim when Randle's got the basketball because there's a high likelihood that Julius, and rightfully so, wants to go to the rim himself. So things are all uh, goofed up at the moment. Knicks do play again tonight. They're in Philadelphia, and I haven't heard anything to suggest that Peyton or Rose is back. I'm still going to probably trot Nerlens out there because of the defensive stats, but I get it right now. It's a really weird fit with the Knicks' current starting lineup. Jeff Green popped off for Brooklyn, but you can't trust that on a nightly basis. Same deal with, you know, we talked about DeAndre Jordan, a guy you can't trust, and he missed a few free throws and didn't do enough other stuff to cover up for it. So you stick with the big three, KD obviously out right now, and Joe Harris. That's your Brooklyn guys. San Antonio blew out the Pistons. This ballgame ended closer because of a uh, garbage time run from the Detroit side. Jakob Pertl, 14-12, a steal, four blocks. I love what he's doing as the starting center, and he would have played more if this game wasn't a runaway. Uh, I know he had a couple of quiet games in there, but you just don't care. The minutes are, are available. He is the guy, unless they get a center, if they can trade LaMarcus Aldridge, which is seeming less and less likely. The more interesting stuff on the Spurs side is what to do with basically the power forward situation. Trey Lyles didn't even play in this ballgame. Keldon Johnson logged 32 minutes, which is good. Second most on the team behind uh, just DeJounte Murray. And for Keldon, he got two blocks, nine points, five boards. There's, I'm going to give him a little bit more time because the minutes played in this game was a big positive sign for Keldon. If he's really trending back into the 30s, he sets himself up with a pretty good kind of top 120, 125 floor with an opportunity to maybe go a little bit higher than that if he hits some threes or if a couple of defensive stats roll his way. If he ends up as kind of a glorified Rui Hachimura, which is sort of what was happening, mostly points and rebounds at a, at a certain point earlier this year prior to the uh, the COVID stuff, then he might end up being a guy that you could consider more of a streamer level dude. I'm not quite there yet. I've been teetering on the brink for a while. This game was a positive, even if the line wasn't huge. I liked the minutes, so that's going to buy him a little bit more time. And with Derek White, uh, yeah, just an off night. If they're a huge one, I think you can I think you can forgive him. Detroit side, we once again have a pretty good idea, I think, of what the Pistons want to do in non-blowout scenarios. Jeremy Grant is going to play big minutes for now. DeLon Wright still played big minutes in this game, even with it being somewhat of a blowout. Wayne Ellington is on the trade block and was out for this game anyway, so Josh Jackson is going to get way too much usage coming off the bench. He's a good points league streamer at this point. Uh, Mason Plumley, he's still your guy at center. I know he and Isaiah Stewart basically split the minutes, but I do believe that if this game was closer, you would have seen Mason play probably the final five. Uh, that would have gotten him up into the more 27-28 range and kept Stewart down closer to 19 or 20. So no, uh, no real ads or drops with the Pistons. Hopefully people all stashed DeLon Wright, as we suggested they should. He's uh, a bit of a, a fantasy unicorn in that you know he, he really does everything with the possible exception of 
three-pointers. Pretty much everything else is a positive for him. Free throws maybe, what do you call it, a little bit of a wash, I guess. But he's he's like a seven out of nine category guy, which is pretty damn sweet when his, when his shot is dropping, which, and we'll forgive him kind of working his way back from the groin stuff. Sadiq Bey, I guess he deserves a moment of our time. Seven points, two boards, one steal. You're going to see him getting dropped, I think, in some leagues, but he's a guy that they want to be playing pretty big minutes here the rest of the way, and such are the ups and downs of a young season, or a season for a young player, I guess I should say. And we talked about this over and over again. I'll say it one more time in case folks miss it kind of in translation. Sadiq Bey's not a high upside guy. He's a pretty good... He's a low downside guy, meaning there isn't a ton of fall off with him. You know, you'll get your three-pointer, you'll get your steal, you'll get your couple of rebounds just for him being on the court. But I think your expectations there are top 100, just sort of floating along, a little bit 3 and D in his fantasy game. And uh, if if you're hunting streamer upside, I get it. But unlimited games formats, especially if you're, you know, three, four bench slots deep, he should dare, He should definitely be rostered. I think that's Pistons. That's probably all I, we need to talk about on the Pistons side. Clippers beat the Mavericks in a low-scoring game. They uh, The only interesting note, well, the Clippers were without Serge Ibaka, so Ivica Zubat started and played 35 minutes. Obviously, he's a go if you can get 35 minutes out of Zubats. That's not, not even a discussion point. If Ibaka misses any more time, you fire up Zoo again for the next one. If he doesn't, well, then they go back to splitting minutes. More interesting note on this game was that Marcus Morris slid into the starting lineup and played uh, 32, uh, 31. Sorry, give him one extra minute. 31 and change minutes. No, it was actually 30 and 40 seconds or so. So about 31 minutes. We're rounding, rounding up from 30 and a half. Uh... And was good. 14 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, a steal, 2 three-pointers. Certainly not going to shoot 55% in every ball ballgame. Uh, takes a lot of his shots from downtown, which is going to keep his field goal percent in the mid-40s. Career 43-percenter, remember. Uh, last year with the Clippers, he shot about 43%. And, and that's where he hovers because of the propensity to shoot threes. But you get him in there for starters minutes... And remember, he averaged about 29 minutes a game with the Clippers last year. Uh, took nine shots a game. He's actually at nine and a half shots a game in only 24 minutes this year. His, his usage was way down in L.A. after the trade midseason. Remember last year with the Knicks, 32 minutes a game, he was taking 15 shots a game. There's no way he gets up to that mark. But I do think that one note to think about on the Clippers side is that by sending away Montrez Harrell, who was actually a relatively high-usage big man, and pretty much replacing him with Serge Ibaka, who's not going to play as many minutes as Montrez did last year, uh, and Nick Batum, who pretty much refuses to take shots, you now can see the outlines of a Marcus Morris that might get closer to 11 shots per game instead of nine and certainly not 15 he's not getting up that high but an 11 shot a game Marcus Morris is kind of what he did during his last year in Boston which was about 13 to 14 points six boards he's gonna be after he's gonna have to be out there for 29 minutes to get to that juncture though and and that may not happen with the Clippers because 
Kawhi is a good rebounder and Zoo and Surge and all those guys are grabbing boards. So maybe more like five would be a reasonable target in the uh, rebounding department. Could he get up to two assists on this team? It's possible. Maybe 1.7. Give him call a 0.6 to 0.7 steals a game and, you know, about 0.3 blocks. Where does that put him? If you're over two three-pointers a game, I don't think he's getting much higher than where he's at right now, 2.2, 2.4, something like that. Uh, That probably puts him pretty close to the edge of the top 100. It's sort of Jeff Green territory with a little bit more consistency in rebounding and playing time and number of field goal attempts per game. Would I grab him in category leagues? No, I don't think that there's enough upside there. Uh, Unlimited games format, you might find value in a high floor guy, which would be a starting Marcus Morris. But I don't think you need to do anything about it until the next ballgame anyway. There's a streamer with benefits element there, but the benefits are not all that great. It's like a cheap medical plan. Uh, Dallas side, Josh Richardson experience fizzled pretty fast. He did have two steals and a block, so that's something. Uh, but his his big upward trajectory sort of hit a wall. He did still play 30 minutes, and that's probably the more important thing here. Shot wasn't dropping. Usage wasn't really there. Tim Hardaway Jr. came off the bench and took 12 shots. He was the one who got hot in that game. Jalen Brunson faded. Those guys just keep trading off who gets to do stuff, which um, is a pain in the neck. It's a pain in the neck. I mean, that, that, first it's Brunson, then it's Hardaway, then it's Richardson. At least with Jay Rich, I, you do have the safety of knowing he's playing starters minutes seemingly every night. And he's been decent lately. The fact that there have been a few more steals has been a positive sign I think I'm going to put him, I think I'm going to continue to stick with this Jay Rich thing, whatever's happening, and assume that he's kind of finding himself in Dallas. He's figuring out his role. If he makes one extra shot yesterday, the game doesn't look quite so bad. Like if it's a three-pointer that goes in, maybe he's 9-3-2 with three defensive stats. You'll take that. You'll take that. So... Yeah, I still, I'm still going to call him an ad even after a quieter ball game here. Grizzlies blown out by the Suns. Grayson Allen came back. He played 23 minutes. Our guy, DeAnthony Melton, only got 18. I'm still rolling with Melton. I just I love his fantasy stat set. Maybe this is the game that wakes them up a little bit. Desmond Bain played 22 minutes, got a rebound and a, an assist while going 0 for 3. He's just, he didn't do anything. I, I don't under I don't understand what the Grizzlies are doing on a night to night basis. Nobody plays more blowouts than Memphis, too, huh? Whatever. Uh, nice game for DeAndre Ayton. That was uh, well much needed. Very quiet season for DeAndre, and uh, not that this wasn't like a blow the roof off kind of game. But six out of nine shooting, made all three of his free throws. Five defensive stats. Like it. Move along. Enjoy it. Denver beat up on Indiana. Uh, this is a game that actually was tied. Actually, Indiana, I think, led 91 to 87. Am I getting that right? I think they got outscored 34 to 15 after that point. Is that the fourth quarter? I may have just given you guys the score of the fourth quarter. In any event, Karis Levert looked good. 17 points, uh, three steals. Jumpers were going down, which you definitely cannot count on every single night. Sell high, guys. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Sell high. Demonis Sabonis 
left this game midway through the fourth quarter and was just beside himself. And I don't know. I didn't see what happened, but he was livid. He almost looked like he was going to cry. He was so mad. That was pretty weird. Uh, Justin Holliday still doing his stuff. The uh, the big thing here is that TJ McConnell, who still played 19 minutes, which not enough, uh, only two points, three boards, three assists, and a steal. I, I don't know. I don't know right now. I, I'm, I'm going to give him a tiny bit more time because he was too good for too long. But the Karis Levert thing, having another ball handler out there and having those two guys maybe on the floor at the same time or near one another, it seems like it's taken McConnell out of his comfort zone. And I, and I don't know that maybe a few more games he'll be able to sort of find where he belongs with this new roster with Lavert back. But if he can't figure it out in a couple of ball games, you're probably going to have to cut bait because you just at this point in this fantasy season, you can't be trotting a guy out there who's doing nothing. And even if he gets it turned on, I don't know that it'll ever get quite as good as it was before. My hope was that because he had played so well for so long that they would still give him the opportunity and he would still sort of figure things out, but th- I mean this is a dramatic drop off in the two games with Karis Lavert in the lineup. And that's a little scary. Luckily, Justin Holiday appears to be above the fray on that front. Denver side, Will Barton is just still steamrolling. I mean, I don't know where the hell this came from, but he has been one of the best players in fantasy over the last couple of weeks. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, he was a guy I, I had on the old man squad list early this year, but he was awful for the first three months of the season. And suddenly, he's, he's a world beater. I don't know where it came from. He's number 33 over the last couple of weeks. Basically since the All-Star break, plus a game or two on the other side. He's been incredible. Can it keep up? Probably not. Um, I still have him in one spot. Managed to hold on to him for the whole season in one league. Everywhere else, I pretty much ended up punting. (laughs) Oh, well. Yeah, I do think that this runs out at some point. I don't know if Gary Harris ever gets himself back. You you almost have to just assume he's going to sit out most of the season every year. Uh, Paul Millsap was a guy I was tracking. He and uh, Jamichael Green back into a little bit of a timeshare at power forward. Millsap played 25 minutes, had six and seven, two assists and a block. You know, he usually will knock down a three-pointer. He had some foul issues in this game. I am still somewhat bullish on Paul Millsap. And I know that that's kind of stupid. I'm fully aware of that. Uh... But his game, and and let's see if he can, if his minutes do actually work themselves back up. I want to point out and kind of draw everyone's attention to the last few games he played prior to Alex Caruso colliding with his knee. And, you know, some of it was the field goal percent. But to Millsap's credit, his field goal percent has actually been pretty good the last couple of years. He's trended back up in that department, started really high in field goal percent early parts of his career when he was playing near the rim in Utah. In Atlanta, he started to add the three-pointer. The field goal percent began to dip a little bit, stayed lower at the beginning of his tenure here in Denver, and then you know back up to 48. Last year, 48 again. This year, he's at 51. Free throw percent lower this year, but it actually been trending up lately as well. So he's kind of turned himself into more of a high-percentages guy, And that game log was quite interesting. He got hurt on 
uh, February 14th. The previous games he had played in February, uh, one was in L.A., six points, ten boards, two steals. That was when the shot wasn't falling. Sacramento, they played in Sacramento. He had 14-5 and five with a block and three threes. Hosted Milwaukee, 14-5-1, a steal, three blocks, two three-pointers. Cavs, I believe they beat the pants off of them. 22-4-3, 12-3-4. He had three steal or three defensive stats and four. So things were really starting to look a little more vintage. And I don't know if it was confidence, if it was just a hot streak, if it was him finally getting his legs after the short offseason. We saw this with a lot of guys. And another note on that little stretch is, you know, his minutes were bigger, but not overwhelmingly so. It was 31, 22, 30, 26, 33. So it was bouncing around a little bit, but it was averaging out to high 20s. He was a 25 yesterday. That's not that far off from the numbers we were talking about. If he gets one, two more minutes per ball game, hits that three-pointer, the steals or blocks start to come back in, he could be a relatively well-rounded guy. So I'm... It's not like someone you have to squat on because nobody's picking him up right now. Paul Millsap isn't the hot thing. But it's important to kind of stay a little bit in front on stuff like this. So if you've got a Millsap floating around, I'm absolutely fine with you guys just sticking him on your bench and seeing if he starts to regain a little bit of that form. Because those two weeks in February before he got hurt, he was playing at about a top 60, top 70 level. Probably not fully sustainable, but... You know, if you go top 60-ish for a couple of weeks and then you go top 100, 120-ish for a couple of weeks, that does actually make you a useful fantasy player. So throw him on your radar as well. I promised you a shorter show and I'm getting long-winded. Like usual, last game on the card from yesterday, Lakers blew out the Warriors. Montrez Harrell was a monster. KCP finally got some shots to go down. Kuzma looked good. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, 18 points, 10 assists, 4 rebounds with no Alex Caruso. LeBron James triple-doubled. Lakers had a great game plan against the Warriors, and they executed it to perfection. They basically just wiped out everybody besides Steph Curry. It's smart. Lakers are good defensively. They really are. In terms of fantasy stuff, I think this just sort of reinforces what we already had been talking about, which is that Montrez and, to a lesser extent, Kuzma have been the guys benefiting from the Anthony Davis absence, which is extending a bit longer now. Uh, unclear exactly how long Alex Caruso might be out. I don't think you can trust THT to get you a a double-double every game. No, I'm not streaming that if you were at all curious. A couple things to talk about here before we jump into the Tuesday preview portion of the uh, proceedings. Number one, recruiting. Got a couple more emails from you guys on the social media opening here at HoopBall. And as I've said before, all of our stuff at HoopBall is kind of about building something. It's about uh, exploring a passion. And if that's a passion of yours, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Also, opening in the DFS division here at HoopBall. I know not many of you guys listening to this pod are DFSers, but if there's a few of you out there, experts though that you may be, and you want to switch on over to the other side of the wall, Hit me up, again, at Dan Vespers or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. couple of really cool opportunities popping loose here at the Hoob. 
I will also implore all of you. Oh, by the way, I uh, I reached out to the contest winner from yesterday, so we're uh, we're still waiting on that one. I implore all of you to continue to rate and review the podcast. If you have a moment, that would be much appreciated. And also check out our buddies over at mybookie.ag. They've been a wonderful partner for us here uh, at HoopBall for, um, boy, they they came on with us like last year around this time and then the the season shut down. And uh, then they came back in the summer. So it's been a while now we've been working with them. They've been marvelous. Uh, I got to get back on there and, and use up some of my promo stuff. That's, they got all sorts of things always uh, floating along, different ways to get involved in uh, your various wagering. So check that out. Use promo code HOOPBALL when you sign up for your account over at MyBookie. I have another contest, another way for you guys to win some money, but I'll be telling you guys about that at the end of the show. So stick with us here. Preview time. This is actually, to me, this uh, seven-gamer tonight is much more interesting from a fantasy perspective than yesterday's. I know we had some stuff pop loose in yesterday's card, but you know me and my long-windedness. Utah is in Boston. I don't think there's a whole lot to watch here other than, you know, we've seen Boston. They've moved towards the Time Lord. He's been great and good and getting greater. I forget who I'm quoting there. Is that De La Soul? Might be. OKC at Chicago. This is the interesting, this is your homework game of the night. I want to see how OKC uses Moses Brown. If Al Horford is playing in this ballgame, which I assume he will be, because that means that you've got Brown, Horford, and Roby all potentially in those front court spots. Uh, Darius Baisley's status is still up in the air, so what does that mean for Alexei Pokashevsky? Also something to monitor there. Ty Jerome, Theo Maladon in the backcourt. OKC's got all sorts of stuff in flux right now, and as I said before, I think Moses Brown is the guy you pick up and you squat on him and see how this thing shakes out. Chicago, I assume they'll stick with their new starting lineup. Uh, Thaddeus Young and Tomas Sadoransky in. Wendell Carter Jr., Kobe White out. I love Thad in this starting role. This was a, a huge boon where we were starting to get a little bit worried about what his minutes might look like. Also keep an eye on Otto Porter Jr., who is better than most of their other small forwards. The question is, can his body sustain itself in 24, 25 minutes a game? I'm inclined to think the answer is no, based on what we've seen so far, well, the last couple of seasons now. But worth monitoring, because if he starts to get more minutes, he's a really interesting fantasy guy. And if he gets moved to a team that wants to play him more minutes, maybe he would be inspired to, you know, get his body back in shape and... Uh, you know, maybe he can play those minutes for longer stretches with rest days built in. So who knows? I don't know what team out there is is lusting for a beat-up, sort of clunky old refurbished auto porter, but you just never know. That's a really important game to watch. A lot of things that could pop on that one. Atlanta laying nine in Houston. Hawks have looked good lately. DeAndre Hunter, we got word, might play as early as Thursday of this week. We've been telling you guys to stash him for a couple of weeks now, so hopefully you've listened, because on that news, I'm guessing he's now gone everywhere. Houston, I don't have any idea who's playing in this game. Uh, John Wall is, uh, I believe he's out. Christian Wood was doubtful this morning, even though this was sort of, this was supposed to be the target game for him, so maybe he gets upgraded. There's still some fleeting hope there. Either way, Wood sounds like he's getting very close, real close. John Wall, they're hoping to have back by later this week as well. Uh, so Houston, maybe we get a little bit of data 
from this team. In the short term, Kevin Porter Jr., K.J. Martin, these guys are playing gigantic minutes. Jay Sean Tate's been doing more. Uh, Justin Patton's been doing more. It's Streamer City in Rocket Town, but I would also watch this game and certainly just monitor the injury news because depending on who's in and who's out, there's a lot of changes you'd make to your roster, and we'll try to highlight those on social media as news breaks. Knicks in Philadelphia. Sixers have just been trucking with or without Joel Embiid since the All-Star break. Uh, Dwight Howard, Tony Bradley seem to be splitting the center minutes there, so I'm likely avoiding both of them. And on the Knicks side, I'd love to see Nerlens Noel get a little more comfortable, but I do believe that he needs a point guard alongside of him. Cleveland. I don't know. Kevin Love, I believe, is doubtful. Larry Nance should get to all the run he can handle here. It looks like they're trying to work the pieces back together. Miami laying 10.5. Holy smokes. Uh, Bam Adebayo is probable, so part of why that line's so high. It sounds like the Heat are back to full strength. So the Kelly Olynyk stream probably slams shut. Portland! Portland's getting C.J. McCollum back for this ballgame. They host the New Orleans Pelicans. That's great news. I can't imagine CJ's going to play more in about 16 minutes, but who knows? Uh, you know, he's he's had some time since he's been ready. You know, he was gone for a funeral and then had to pass through protocol, so he probably could have played a few days ago. It's conceivable that that's now given him the opportunity to get a little bit more treatment, a little more training, getting that foot a little better. So maybe he gets as high as 20, but that would surprise me, really. Uh, so great news there. Gary Trent may have one more game of, of uh, one more limited value before likely going back to uh, being a waiver wire guy. So that's great news out of Portland. And then Minnesota is in Los Angeles. Anthony Edwards has been playing great. The Lakers' defense is also very good. I, uh, I've got to think that if the Lakers are even marginally focused in this game... They should run away with it. But off the big one in Golden State, you could see that they were... You know what? Here's the thing. When the Lakers are focused, they're a mean basketball team. And if you have Wolves that you're contemplating using in fantasy, I would think twice about it. Fantasy-wise, what we're tracking, not a whole lot in those ballgames. Not a whole lot. Here's the contest I was telling you guys about. It is quite similar, actually, to our last contest, but it's about a pod that isn't this one. This is the Rate the Podcast contest part two for Today in Sports Betting, our sports betting daily podcast here at Hoopball, hosted by Devin Ellington and Vince Miracle. Go check that out. Do it the same way you did mine. Any of you guys that entered the contest for this podcast, go do it again for that one. And I'm guessing there are thousands of you that have considered rating this podcast and hundreds of you that have that can go out and do the same thing for that one. So we could make this prize even bigger if more of you guys rate and review that podcast. So this is how you do it. Once again, go to the podcast app on your phone or open iTunes on your computer. Search for Today in sports betting. That's the name of the podcast. I don't think that there's any other ones that uh, look or come close. You'll you'll see the Today in Sports Betting lo- uh, logo with the little hoop ball tag right above it. Click in there. Click on the show title. Scroll to the bottom on your phone. That's where you can find the rating and reviewing part. Or if you're in iTunes, you click on the show title, and then there's a rate and review tab. Write a review for Devin and Vince whatever it might be, subscribe, hit the subscribe button to the podcast, rate and review, 
and screenshot it to me at Dan Bespris or email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Same way as we entered the last one. And we're going to build a giant list this time. And every time the list grows of people rating and reviewing today in sports betting, the potential prize grows as well. Hope to get a lot of those from you guys over the course of this week. We'll run it probably for the next one to two weeks and then draw a winner just like the last one. Folks, have a marvelous, marvelous Tuesday. I am Dan Bespris. Back at you first thing tomorrow. Okay, not first thing. You guys know how it works. A little after first thing tomorrow. This Fantasy NBA Today hoopball presentation. So long. This has been a hoopball presentation.